0: I love that last time Ashley said something about him, she like I felt like he looked at me and we're like, Blaze (laughs) Supitch? Yeah. Just Just Blaze. blaze. That is actually perfect because I will never mess that up ever again.
1: (laughs) Blase.
2: Hello,
1: and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the trustworthily young, loyally hip, and helpfully lay editors of American media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I am Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis.
2: Hello, and I just want to interrupt you to remind our listeners that we are also courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, too.
1: (laughs) I don't know about that last one. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How are we doing this week, guys? Pretty good. How yeah. are you? you, you you've you all recovered from your various ailments and travels.
2: You know, I have a canker sore on my lip that's really <laughs> bothering me, so I have to contort my face a little bit to speak into this microphone. But,
1: Olga, you have your voice back. Yesterday, yeah, my voice, you is, feeling a little- my
0: voice is back and I just want it to be 100% for you guys, but I just want to go back to zach sore i was wondering like why he was talking i thought he was like mad at me or something because he kept making like a specific facial expression but it's good to know thanks
2: i'm not angry with you
1: okay
0: good just hurts
2: to smile
1: okay good that's Slightly better. <laughs> um, hopefully what we're drinking is making you feel better.
2: Yeah. So this week we decided to clean house a little bit. We had some leftover like <laughs> single beers from six packs and 12 packs and a little bit of wine left over. So we have uh, the Belgian sampler pack that was sent to us by our good friend, good friend of the show. Stephen Graham. Stephen Grant, And also we had one Budweiser left over from our episode on college. No, no, that was on fourth our of Fourth of July fourth episode. episode yeah. Excuse me, mm-hmm.
0: and you meant America, right?
2: Yeah, the beer America. Yeah, uh, and then also this white wine from
0: some from some America board meeting, <laughs> some event. <laughs> so, A.K.A. our struggle drinks this week. It sounds yes. like <laughs>
2: so. Yep, just uh, time for renewal. We're renewing our. The closet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And who are we talking to, Olga? So this week, we're talking with Cost Marte, the founder and creator of Con a workout program he developed while in prison. We'll be talking with him about how he developed this program, how his faith helped him while incarcerated, and his prison reform activism.
1: So that's pretty cool. Stay tuned, guys. We were introduced to Koss by our guest host while Zach was in China, Jesuit Zach with an H. Um, They know each other through this program that Zach started called Thrive for Life Prison Project, um, which Koss is a board member of.
2: The Thrive for Life Prison Project builds bridges of trust, healing, and reconciliation between incarcerated and formerly incarcerated individuals and the community through spiritual and educational programs. And that is thriveforlife.org if you want to find out more on that.
1: But first, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. First, we have a new papal coin. This was going around Twitter earlier this week. Um, and on the coin, it says in Latin, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, a reference to Matthew twenty-five thirty-five, 35. Um, and it has a picture of what looks like the Holy Family Arriving on a beach with a boat behind it and someone on the shore giving them a hand. So I think it's pretty clearly a reference to the current refugee crisis um, where many migrants are fleeing conflict in the Middle East and Africa and arriving on the shores of Europe. And Pope Francis has very vocally um, called on Europe to welcome the stranger.
2: Also good to see a Vatican logo or design that, you know,
1: isn't terrible.
2: Isn't terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah. But other uh, Rome coin news, sort yes. of.
1: No, you won't have anywhere to throw these coins. <laughs> no, because
2: the Vatican, due to the drought that Rome is facing, has turned off all of its fountains.
1: Uh, Rome is actually uh, discussing this week whether they're going to have to start rationing water. Um, so using it for decorative purposes might not be a good look for the Vatican.
2: Uh, our next story comes from across the pond, as I think they say. Uh, just got an eye roll from our producer, Eloise. <laughs> um, the Orange Order, which is a Protestant fraternal organization based in Northern Ireland, uh, they recently sent out a directive to their members not to use the term R.I.P. to commemorate deaths because the term is considered unprotestant because it has too many Catholic roots.
1: What What are the Catholic mm. roots of R.I.P.?
2: Uh, it's Latin, so <laughs> the Catholic <laughs> <laughs> yep, and so, you know, Luther was like, no more Latin, no wow. more R.I.P. So, R.I.P., R.I.P. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Olga, what's next? So now on to some none news. We've been seeing a lot of Ooh, good. I like that. No, no, like,
2: no news is. <laughs> nun news. <laughs> none- N-U-N, got it.
0: <laughs> but anyways, um, we've been seeing a lot of really good work from women religious. Um, Last week, we saw that nuns, Catholic nuns in Pennsylvania last week built a chapel to block this gas pipeline that was going through their land. And this week, over 7,000 nuns across all 50 states sent a letter to Congress strongly opposing the repeal of Obamacare. They said that removing these resources from people who really need it is simply immoral and completely against Catholic teaching. So a lot of good stuff from Nuns who we don't really
1: often see, a lot of people might not be familiar with all the work that they're doing. They hand-delivered this letter to every single Senate office on Monday, I think. Um, Unfortunately, they still, well actually, it's all very confusing, but (laughs) the Senate voted to proceed with the debate, but then did not pass the repeal. Correct. Right? Correct. This, yeah. Yeah. This bill that seems to never die. <laughs>
0: I love that you're perfectly capturing how confused we I all know. are by exactly what state health care is in um, in this country. But on a positive note, shout out to these nuns who just really stay strong.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like this summer I've seen um, Sister Carol Keehan has been in, on our website more than anyone else, because every time this health care bill comes back up she's the head of the catholic um, hospital association and she has to come out again and find a new way to describe how terrible it is to take away health insurance from millions of americans but see nuns are just very persistent they are shout out to them
2: yeah so our next story comes out of uh, minnesota minnesota but more importantly I thought I told you guys not to bring any more witch Satan stories to the show.
0: I thought we told you we weren't listening to you. Okay.
2: Well, in Belle Plaine, Minnesota, there was a park for veterans in which there was a Christian statue that was put up. And so this group of people, is the nicest way I can put it, (laughs) named the Freedom From Religion Foundation, decided to put up a satanic monument and you know, that was challenged in court and basically the court was like, fine, none of you get statues. Mm -hmm. So all of them were ordered to be taken down. Yeah.
1: And so this Freedom From Religion Foundation, they they contacted a the Satanist Temple in Massachusetts. It wasn't like a local group that wanted to put up a statue to the devil. Like, they did this to intentionally provoke a reaction from the community. So, the Freedom From Religion Foundation got the Satanists from Massachusetts to commission a Satan statue in this Veterans Park um, to prove their point that, you know, if you're going to have Christian symbols, you have to allow Satanist symbols.
2: Right. So, there seem to be a couple... Questions that are raised by this issue because this isn't the first time this has happened. But, like, one is it's very clear, I think, from or at least to us, that the Freedom from Religion Foundation does not have any sincere motives by putting up the statue in the park, right? Yes,
1: they do not believe in Satan.
2: But the question is, does the court want to decide that?
1: Yeah. If it's sincere or not? I don't think they do because the decision they came down to was to ban all religious memorials. So there can't be a Christian one, there can't be a Satanist one, which. I mean, I don't know. In this specific case, it was a veterans park, and the memorial in question was a person um, kneeling at a grave with a cross. Like, that's 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 speaking to the veteran they're honoring. It's not putting the Ten Commandments up there. Um,
2: no, it's true. And, you know, image. there's also a gun and a helmet. So images of militarism aside, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a – I mean – it's tough i don't want one i don't want the court deciding what's a legitimate religion and what is not on the other hand like the the question of like do do religious symbols belong in the public sphere i definitely think there's a case for you can have these things be reflective of the beliefs of the community Mm -hmm. without you know the state endor. that's not like an explicit endorsement of the state of one religion or another
1: well i think the name of the group that is instigating this freedom from religion, that's not what's in the Bill of Rights. It's freedom of religion. religion. Right. (laughs) Um, Exactly. That's kind of telling.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's the thing that you pointed out, right? The difference between wanting a pluralistic society and wanting no religion in the secular sphere at all. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction to keep in mind when we have these conversations. Yeah.
0: We're super excited to welcome Cas Marte, the founder and creator of ConBody. Welcome to Jesuitical.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So can you tell us the story of ConBody, how it was created?
3: ConBody was created in a prison cell. Um, I was sentenced to seven years in prison for running one of the largest drug delivery services in New York City. Uh, at 19, I was making over $2 million a year. Um, running. $2 million? A, yep at 19
0: at 19 Okay. Um, just wanted to fact check those numbers (laughs) immediately
3: (laughs) I had over 20 people working for me I started this whole like delivery service type of craziness um I changed the way we sell drugs um and if you want to take notes, I'll give you all that. <laughs>
0: After like,
2: the show when we're not <laughs> on go. air. It's like Uber for, Uber for drugs or?
3: Something like that. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. But this is when we had flip phones. So there was no apps. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I, was, I was arrested and I went into prison. And when I went into prison, uh, doctors told me I could die because of my health issues. Um, my cholesterol levels were like extremely high. They said I probably could die within a five years of heart attack. Um, I went back to my cell as soon as they told me that, and I like worked out, did jumping jacks, dips on the side of my bed in my cell, and and I started running laps in the prison yard. Um, people would call me like fat forest Gump, honey bun, and all these fat jokes. <laughs> um, but I just kept running, and I, eventually I lost 70 pounds in six months. Hey. Uh, then I was approached by an inmate, and he uh basically said that he wants to work out with me this his name was bus he weighed like three twenty, and was this uh, one
2: of the guys calling you fat force gump
3: nah, nah, was, <laughs> was, they we used to call him because he was like the size of the bus okay yeah so but he um he he started running with me, and then we started gathering as a group, and we got more people involved and then I helped over twenty inmates who so was over a thousand pounds combined. I I took that technique, uh, build a camaraderie in a prison yard. Um, but I, I didn't think I was gonna create a business out of it. Uh, it was not till the end of my incarceration where.
1: What year was that?
3: This, the end of my incarceration was like 2012. Mm-hmm. I was about to come home in two months and I got into altercation with an officer. Um, and this officer basically. Put me on a wall, uh, began searching me and 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 started touching me in uncomfortable places, which made my body jerk. And uh, he quickly said, "Don't f with me," and punched me behind my head and knocked me down to the ground. Um, when that happened, I I got off from the ground and I I stood up and I turned around on him. And as soon as I turned around on him, he pressed his button in his walkie-talkie, and about a dozen officers come to the scene. They Beat me with batons. They shackled me up and they threw me in this uh nine by six prison cell. Twenty four hour lockdown. Two showers a week. Limited food. The water in my sink in that cell was coming out green, and I had bugs all over the place. And it was probably one of the worst places you could ever been be in. Um, and I was not devastated because I was in a box because I've been in many cells, but I was devastated at the fact that I. I literally, like, seeing my son a week before then, and I told him I was coming home in two months. And um, I lied to him. And because of that situation, I was facing three more years in prison. Um, and all that was given to me was a paper, pen, and an envelope. And I began writing a letter to my family, letting them know about the situation to try to get me out of it, and I need your help, like, ASAP. And then I realized I didn't have a stamp to send out this letter with so I was in my cell just like banging my head in the wall and I didn't know what to do with my life and I was just going crazy and um and a couple days later my sister finds out I was in solitary confinement and my sister is like mother Teresa's child like hallelujah amen everything she's like the most religious person I know and um And she writes me and finds out that I was in solitary confinement and tells me to read Psalm 91 from the Bible. And when I read that letter, it's like, hell no, I'm not reading that. And I don't believe in God. This is not going to help me. And I took that letter and I threw it inside of my cell. And I laid back in my bed. And um, all I had in my cell was this Bible that she gave me early on in my incarceration. I never opened it up. It was like basically like a, you know, people's. Use Bible paper to smoke cigarettes out of and weed and crazy stuff. So like I have like ripped pages and it took a couple days like sitting there having nothing to do, twenty four hour lockdown, nobody to talk to. I decided to pick up the Bible and as, as soon as I I I turned to Psalm ninety one, the pages that she told me to read. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. As soon as I read those words, a stamp fell out of my Bible. And it was the stamp that I needed to send out this ten page letter with, and as soon as that happened, chills ran down my body, and I felt like there was something bigger than myself and i was I was a quickly humbled um, I felt regret, and I began reading the Bible from front to back, and I started really realizing what I was doing was wrong and for the first time, I started praying and and I just asked God, like, how can I get a back for all the people that I've hurt? Um, for not only like affecting my son, um, who's, you know, probably six years old at the time, um, but not my family, like friends, but I also affected the thousands of people that I sold drugs to. And then I started realizing that I was creating this whole web of destruction that, you know, affected so many people. And I, I started asking God, "How can I pay back?" So and there's was, a
1: connection between your spiritual awakening and your giving back through being healthy or helping other people be healthy.
3: And this where I came up with the idea yeah. of of calm body and and I said, "This I'm already helping these guys in the yard, you know, work out, get fit, and I feel like I could do this when I come home." So I quickly like took a long sheet of legal paper, using the side of my Bible, I started writing like a whole spreadsheet with every exercise routine and started mapping out like a business plan. So you, Cause
1: you already were a businessman. <laughs> you knew, you knew and, how, to, uh, again, how to do this. A
3: little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I came home a year later behind that situation and I started doing what I wrote down and I followed that regimenly like for six months, I was waking up at five thirty in the morning, going to the park you know, going after females that wore yoga pants and like pitching them combat and like this is what we're doing <laughs> in the park and and I gathered a, a a handful of people and from there started you know I started renting out ballet studios ballet studios turned into like a you know small lease studio and then um, we were looking for space so we raised enough money and funds to open up our own location. And nobody wanted to rent to us. And every time I went to a landowner and pitched them the idea of, like, I'm running a prison-style boot camp, we we hire formerly incarcerated people, and they're like, what? Who? No, I don't think it's going to work here. Um, So so,
1: if someone shows up to a con body class, what what can they expect?
3: uh, They're going to see a prison cell. Uh, So we designed the whole gym to look like a prison. Really? Um I mean that's just like what all gyms
1: feel like to some people.
3: That's not, yeah. You're trapped and you're forced to do the time. Um they take their mugshot. Yeah. And we You
1: may people come and you they get their mugshot taken? Yep. Wow. Uh,
2: so are you are you barking at people doing the workouts or? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> C-
0: clearly, we're all trying to decide if we should try a class or if it's going to be too hard for us.
3: You'll <laughs> be okay. My mom is sixty three. She does this four times a week. So.
2: Oh dang! dang it. Uh, okay. Do you yell at your
3: mom? I do. <laughs> That's
2: bold, pay, man. Payback.
1: And <laughs> yeah. and ConBody, you intentionally hire uh, yeah. formerly incarcerated people, right? Yep. And have you? How how has
2: that changed their lives? <sighs> Or why is that well, yeah, why is that important to you? This might be I don't know. Yeah. Seem obvious, but
3: Yeah, I mean I, I, f- I felt the uh, the same pain. And I felt like I could I could help people and by employing them. And most importantly, like building a, a team, building a movement that, that could really make a change in the system. Anybody you're hiring, you're taking a risk, but I haven't had one disappointment uh with anybody I've hired from the system. Nobody has recidivated back into uh, prison I had one guy go back into jail for dumb circumstances uh, he crossed county lines to come to work and he went and he violated a probation for crossing to come to work with us he basically came out on the New York Times we had like this old little interview he was part of it his parole officer picked up the paper saw him in the paper and was like you work in Manhattan You know that's <sighs> illegal and I'm going to have to take you in um and we had a because that's what that's what needed to be done in that situation like yeah
0: so then the what what do your clients look like because then this is probably (laughs) also an opportunity to battle stereotypes if you have people who have who don't have incarcerated people in their families this might be the first time that they are engaging in any way with someone who has been in the system so do you see that as a way to help people refute stereotypes that they might have about the formerly incarcerated
3: oh definitely yeah most people that come into the the prison that we build, uh, have never came in contact with anybody that's been formally incarcerated. And they're mo- mostly like females, young millennials from the ages of like 25, 35 years old. Who
1: I don't know. What, I don't know what those people are like, that's
3: <laughs> <laughs> completely alien to me. <laughs> uh, I don't own a pair of yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um I've had people that come in and they're like really scared of what they're going to get in into. And, and then as they finish the workout and they're like, oh, this person's just a normal person. I can hang out with this person. I could give this person a hug and we could grab a beer after this. So, like, it really breaks down a lot of stereotypes. Um, and it just bridges people, especially when they're in, like, their most vulnerable state and they're sweating and they can't go anymore. <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to give up, but I'm going to keep pushing. And a lot of people are, like, really motivated at the fact mm-hmm. that this person has gone through way more than I have so like one of my trainers who did 14 years in prison 7 years in solitary confinement usually tells his like story while he's in class like always expressing mind over matter like how he dealt in his time in solitary confinement Um, and and that motivates people is like you know what like you did 7 years in solitary and excuse my language but about Push ups. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> you, you say the real reason behind this work is prison reform what yeah. do you want what do you want our audience or the people you encounter to know about that
3: a lot of people saying that I'm giving second chances I feel like I'm giving first chances um, a lot of people that grew up in cer- certain circumstances like I did or the group I'm working with never had a re- first chance to you know move forward in life, Because we were exposed at a very early age and was trapped in this in this world of, you know, crime or, you know, fatherless in the system and, and stuff like that. That we were set up to, like, live this world. And this is what we learn and this is what we're going to move forward with. And we get trapped at an early age, you know. Um, we don't really have that first chance. And at 13, I was incarcerated. Um after that it just became a snowball effect and i want to just tell people that you know what we're doing is more than just a workout or your bougie soul cycle barry's big (laughs) camp type of thing it's it's a it's a movement and it's it's bigger than myself and there's days that i want to give up there's days i'm like yo this thing is too hard and i want to just roll back into bed and don't want to wake up at five in the morning to do this craziness and uh and I, I pray, and I ask God, like, give me an hour, and he always answers. And I always get a small email where one of my clients says, I can't wait to go back, and I had a great time. Or one of my trainers tells me, thank you so much for giving me a second chance. Or like, now I can feed my son. Now I have somewhere to stay. Um I'm like, I, this is bigger than myself. I can't stop right now. So uh it just keeps me rolling and keep going, you know, so.
2: That's awesome. Kans, yeah. you're doing God's work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so so we always end with uh, this question with our guests. So if you could make someone a saint, uh, living or dead, Catholic or not.
3: Real or not.
1: Fictional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who would it be?
3: Uh, Father Jack. Father um, Jack. Yeah, he was a um, very uh, vital person in my neighborhood. He was a priest. That was a principal of our school, Nativity Mission Center, who um when I saw him when I was released from prison and he was probably the only person that wrote me while I was in prison um and when I was young, uh, when I, was, I did a year when I was 15 and uh, but always kept in contact, always asked for my family, but always uh, was there. I was always, you know. I came home, he was there open arms and uh didn't matter what I did, never judge me. Um, you know, saw me do some crazy stuff, but he uh he would get go to the park and like grab us and he was allowed to like pull us by our ears and be like, Yo, get your butt to school you know, and it was like <laughs> he had permission from the parents to do this, you know? And if you would tell your mom like, "Father Jack pull my ear, you'll get another smack in your face. (laughs) Like you deserved it, you know? So, uh, but father, father Jack was, is, is a saint. And, um, he's, he's helped a lot of kids in the community. He's like the father of people that never had fathers or a second father. Um, and I don't know. He's, he's a saint. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He's always doing God's work. He's just, he's an animal beast. <laughs> That's awesome. St. Father Jack. St. Beast. St. Beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Koss, where can people find
2: your work? Where can we sign up for classes?
3: Yeah, so you can sign up for classes at com. We also got a virtual platform where you can f- work out with a formerly incarcerated person. Oh, for- so this doesn't have to be... In New York. You could then. do this anywhere for five dollars a month. All you need is yeah. your own body weight, small little nine by six prison cell space at home.
1: So if, your, if you live in New York here. And your, your favorite ex
3: con <laughs> to get that prison body always desired. Cost, <laughs> thanks so much Thank for joining you. us. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: right now it's time for some listener feedback uh, in anticipation of our interview with Koss, we asked our twitter followers um if fitness had played a role in their spiritual life and we got, this is our most successful twitter poll ever
0: yeah. i was really wanted to talk pleasantly about surprised by how many answers we you got. guys
2: need lives you gotta stop working out so much
0: <laughs> making us feel bad yeah don't
2: you have better things to do this is
0: <laughs> then taking care of your health and god. spirituality through exercise god <laughs>
1: No, we are very grateful for your we feedback. Are, we and are. some of the answers were Olga. Okay.
0: So for Margaret, she writes, running, parentheses, poorly, helped with humility and freedom to be average. Yoga has always been a godsend. Too much to say to fit in a tweet.
1: See, she's on our level.
0: She's. is. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, Dan is also even more on my level. Dan writes, you bet, since I wish I was dead whenever I exercise, I tinker with my funeral readings slash music while running. Macabre, but gets me through it. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> that's a good one. Then Ryan writes, "Hiking. Period. The wilderness is a great setting for prayer. Period. Also
2: to get eaten by bears."
1: <laughs> uh, and Annie says, "Spiritual life, eh? But I experience community ten thousand times more at the gym than my parish."
2: It's a lot to say on that's, that.
1: That's pretty damn. It's pretty
2: loaded, but yeah. also probably really true.
1: Yeah. No, Annie, will be asking you more about that.
2: Patty says, training for racism and in running, I always offer each run for other people. It almost makes me more aware to pray for others, which is kind of a nice thing to to think of, right? You're running and, and you're offering this as a prayer. Yeah, because you
1: like <laughs> <laughs> I still
2: Just will not be doing do, right? I still <laughs> will not be doing any of this. But kudos to all of you. Yes. So this week we got a really nice email from Victoria who was responding to something that I tweeted. I quote tweeted the Jesuit posts. Uh, article from Damien Bortello about, and the headline was, does alcohol play a role in your spiritual life or something like that? And I said, Oh, does it? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so she saw that and she said, though, I grew up in a family that very rarely drank alcohol. I had a short period in my early twenties when I would drink a lot, sometimes to the point of blacking out. I drank to combat my introversion and anxiety to ease my perceived awkwardness and to numb myself to loud noises, big crowds and small talk.
1: I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, but yeah. So she she thought we might consider um, doing an episode. Well, one doing an episode where we talk about alcohol and its place in our lives, socially and spiritually. And her second question is if we would consider raising a cup of tea instead of an alcoholic beverage at the start of an episode in solidarity with those of us who choose to abstain from, limit, or carefully monitor our relationship with alcohol. And she said she'd be happy to send us a tea recipe.
2: So, Victoria, one, send us the tea recipe. Yes. And we will gladly do that. But also, the first couple shows we did were during Lent in which we were abstaining from alcohol. So you may want to go back and uh, check those out also. Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> but we are happy to abstain again uh, Yes, if you send us a great tea recipe. Uh, what's a tea recipe? I don't... Is <laughs> tea like coffee? I didn't know you could like... I don't make your own tea. I don't last even know what tea is, Last guys. week,
2: our producer, Eloise, is like, they make beer in Texas. This week, Ashley's realizing <laughs> there is more than one way to make tea. Our culinary <laughs> education has been <laughs> it's very under, uh, underdeveloped, underlooked at...
1: No, I mean, I just, like, have, I've only had tea from, like, a tea bag. I didn't know you could, like, do your own thing. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it, Victoria, so yeah. please send that along.
2: Also send the Wikipedia page for tea <laughs> so actually can check it
1: out. <laughs> now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach?
2: So... This is something I've kind of talked about before, thematically at least, and this past weekend I was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, and the only thing that would have made my weekend better seeing our old engineer, Wyatt Massey, who's a Wisconsinite, I think that's what they call them, but I was there for a Amanda, my girlfriend, her family reunion, which this was my first time meeting her extended family, Ooh. And so, right, yeah, basically a job Exciting. interview. Exciting. Uh,
0: <laughs> but really just nerve-wracking. So a couple
2: things that happened. One was that there were a lot of America readers, actually, so that was a nice warm welcome. Ooh. You know, like, that happens, like, 4% of the time when people have heard of the magazine. So you
0: got to brag a little? People are
2: like, uh, normally people are like, you work for the government,
1: America? <laughs> it's, either, it's either that or it's like, so you know Jim Martin. Yes, <laughs> yeah. right, one
2: of the two. Um, but just to be, you know the scriptures are full of images of welcoming the stranger and inviting those who are outside into there's a papal coin
1: even that yes, says that <laughs> a new coin in fact.
2: And so it just keeps happening in my life recently. And so that's something that has been really consoling to me is to continue to be surprised by the amount of welcome that uh, other people are showing me. And so that was my consolation this week.
0: Nice. It's really beautiful.
2: Yeah, it was good. you know, it's really, you know, drinking beer, having eating good food, and having good conversation with people. It's good for the soul. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> All right. What about you, Olga? So I've talked about how my prayer routine was thrown off a little bit last week. Um, it's very intertwined with the people in my life, uh, specifically my boyfriend, Enoch. Um, so I was very anxious last week, thinking that I wouldn't, give up and just... he wasn't
1: contributing to your google doc while he was awake. no he wasn't <laughs> he
0: had no wi-fi access so i really had to do this on my own um it was really scary at first because change is terrifying any kind of change really just makes me anxious and terrifies me um but i committed to it and i just felt really at peace knowing that i could establish a personal relationship with god outside of my relationship with other people um and even when you know i was out with friends or with family i was still able to be like you know, I found this time to be by myself and to just talk and pray. Um, so it felt really consoling to know that even if I return to my routine, um, I can still do that on my own. And, you know, nice. it felt good.
2: Yeah. I feel like we're all bouncing back and forth between our communities and our own individual yeah. Yeah, with God. Really so that's are. a relatable experience for sure.
1: Nice.
2: Ashley, you got anything good for us?
1: I don't, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to set this, the expectations too high. Um, But I was at Mass on Sunday evening, and there was a family in front of me. It was two little girls, mom, dad, and grandma. And I would guess the girls were like eight and five, maybe. And the eight-year-old was just being a real brat. Like, she wouldn't let her little sister sit next to her mom. She was like, oh, I want to sit next to her. And, like, was just, like, being... you know, how kids can be at Mass. <laughs> but I was just like sitting behind them watching and just judging this eight-year-old, which is a silly thing to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> judging children is my favorite pastime. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Yeah, so she was just like being obnoxious the whole first half of the Mass. But then it got to the gospel reading and the nuclear family was like all snuggled up together and the grandma was kind of like, a foot or so away like by herself and then this eight-year-old just like looked over at her and then walked over and like gave her a hug and it was just like such a sweet moment of you know she was clearly like oh I want to include my grandma in the family and I felt very bad for (laughs) (laughs) just putting her in the bad little kid box when she's you know she clearly has a big heart even though she's young. And then and then I was uh, Euchar- I was a Eucharistic minister um, at that mass, so then I got to give her communion. I was like, all right,
0: we're good now? <laughs> <laughs> you squashed the beef immediately?
2: <laughs> there wasn't like a Catholic Oompa Loompa that popped up to teach her the lessons of you know, being selfish about where she sits in mass?
1: No, <laughs> but no also, this is not related at all, but also at that mass, uh, a little like... probably a four-year-old like came up with his dad and like refused to leave he was like i want it i want it i was like (laughs) how do i how do i say no to you but instead i just like gave him like high fives over and over again until his dad (laughs) pulled him away from the line nice (laughs) so yes both consoling moments in different ways (laughs) All all right roll credits
2: roll credits
1: Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit Formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. And this week, and going forward, Adult Supervision is provided by Sam Sawyer, SJ.
2: Yeah, Carrie has enough... Our, yeah. <laughs> uh, our old adult supervisor has enough on her hands with her, her toddler, I'm imagining. Yeah, so. and I
1: don't think Sam Sawyer has too much on his plate, mm, nah, so, so. <laughs> <should> be fine. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. for Research help from Jack McCordick, Anna Marchese, and Emma Winters. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli. You can find us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show and subscribe to Jesuitical on iTunes. Leave us a review. Last week, we got some very nice reviews from
2: yeah thank you cs burger Tyrion shellfish and <laughs> josh in jo- oh josh in mississippi and also descent is cool so thank you to all of you for leaving <laughs> yeah shout out to
1: you guys all right and finally send us your questions feedback cocktail recipes or tea recipes and tell us where you found god this week at jesuitical at americanmedia.org for american media i'm ashley McKinless with zach davis and olga segura we'll see you next week
2: you know, I had a moment where I was like, is it Tyrion shellfish or Tyrion's hellfish? <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. So sorry if I butchered that, but.
1: It's okay. And is it, is MS? Are we sure that's Mississippi? Yeah.
2: Okay. I memorized all the postal codes in the fifth grade. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> You're so cool, Zach. Yeah. You just impress me
0: more and more every week.
2: You're welcome.